Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 154 of Priority One Podcast, the last episode for 2013, recorded Thursday, December 19th, 2013, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming on Monday mornings at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm James. I'm Tony. And I'm Elijah. So, guys, what do we got this week? Well, this week we revisit Trexels and Trek It Out with the game's lead designer, Craig Bolin. In Star Trek Online News, Cryptic takes us on a year in review and hints at what's coming in 2014. But the year is not over. A few new ships are still on the horizon, including the Voth Heavy Fighter and several promos. But we'll learn about that in the dev blogs. In this week's Community Spotlight, Shivery Bean returns with a foundry review of A Time to Search. And of course, as always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. Visit Priority One Podcast and donate where you can. A very special thanks to everyone who has already contributed and continues to do so on a regular basis. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One. Captains, don't forget that PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. In their latest edition of In Development, L, Vinny, and Andorpheus suggest some holiday gift ideas for that special Trekkie in your life. And without necessarily breaking your wallet, by the way, we also have the first of what we hope are many interviews with Star Trek notables, like this first interview with Star Trek author Dayton Ward. Trek those out only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. As a matter of fact, you can join the team at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We are actually in need of a talented video editor to help bring our 2014 plans to life. If you are a skilled video editor and would like to help usher in a new era for Priority One, then reach out to us via email at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. The Priority One fleet is recruiting, and now we have a new man taking command of the fleet. Admiral Rob Ray will be at the helm helping grow the Priority One fleet throughout the new year. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is fleet at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, let's revisit Trexels and trek it out with the game's lead designer, Craig Bowen. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. This week, we revisit Trexels and trek it out with the game's lead designer, Craig Bolin, the man in charge of the recently released 8-bit style Star Trek game for iOS. 
Greg, thank you so very much for uh, taking time out of your busy week to chat with me here on Priority One Podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure, Elijah. Well, firstly, congratulations on the release earlier this month. Thanks. It's been a long time coming, so we're all really excited to see the game released. Wonderful. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, You know who you are, what, what do you do? Sure. I'm Craig Boland. I'm uh, the senior game designer at uh, YesGnome and XCube Games. And so right now I'm mostly focused on Trexels. I do actually do work on multiple games at the same time, and I provide some oversight for general game design for uh, those companies as well. How long have you been in the game industry? Jeez, it's been a long time now. So <laughs> 14 years, I'd say. Um, I started working on PC games. I worked on Return to Crondor and RPGs initially. And then I moved over into console games. Worked on games for PlayStation, PlayStation 2, XQ, uh, or X, sorry, Xbox, Xbox 2. And uh, then went over to the Wii and worked on Wii games. Uh, for a while as well, and then over into mobile. Um, so I've got a pretty deep experience with a wide range of stuff. Uh, but mobile is really, seems to me, where the action is right now. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like this game is certainly in, in uh, great hands. What about you and your team's Trek creds? Now, how, how much of a fan of the franchise are you and your team? Sure. I think that's a, that's a pretty... It's a split answer. I can answer it a couple of different ways. One of which is a lot of this game was developed by a group of dedicated folks um, out in Hyderabad, India. And those guys have had a lot less ex exposure to Trek than we have. Although Trek being such a big license, it's it's you know penetrated over there as well. So there's still several folks on the team, even folks who aren't really all that conversant in English who are familiar with the brand. And then reflecting it back on me and the folks in Dallas, because we're a split company, um, we're, I would say, huge Trek fans. So for me, watching the original series was kind of a ritual Sunday night reruns um, before I got, you know, went to bed and got up and went to school the next morning. So those were like particularly treasured memories for me, my father and I. Uh, we're huge Trek fans, and so I've, I'm familiar with all of the different series, and I've probably watched every episode, I'd say, of all those different uh, television programs and certainly all the different movies. So I'm a huge fan. Uh, I focus a bit more on the original series just because of my age group, although I'm a huge Next Gen fan as well. Um, and honestly, I, I love the new movies, so... Um, Pretty broad, pretty broad attachment, but Marie Original loves the, the original series. All right, so here's here's a, a Trek question. Who's your favorite first officer? That's kind of funny, because I actually like uh, the unnamed number one in the pilot, who is actually uh, Nurse Chapel, Majel Barrett, who is, he, he actually experimented with the idea of her being like the first officer for a while. And I think that would have been really cool to have had a female first officer on the very first Star Trek show. Of course, they went with Spock. So, you know, if I'm going to have to go with somebody that actually, you know, was first officer for a long time on the show, I'm, I'm going to go with Spock because I'm just, like I said, original series fan. Great answer. Great answer. Now, tell us a little bit about the genesis of Trexels. Where did the idea come from? Sure. Uh, the original concept, the desire to have a product, a uh, mobile product out with this particular art styling uh, came from CBS. Uh, they own a uh, brand called Trexels, and it's a, it's an art style created by a guy named John Martz, I believe, and they, CBS acquired it. And it's very similar to this, the art style that we use in the game here. So there was some release of posters, and I think like coffee mugs and that sort of jazz with uh, stylized, pixelated Star Trek art on it. And then uh, CBS developed the desire to have a mobile product 
with that same art style. And so they approached us because we've had a lot of experience in uh, what we call social sim or social strategy games. Uh, and we do, um, you know, work with other IPs. Um, and the, the company as a whole has strength there. And then I personally have worked a great deal with um, fairly big IPs. I've worked with Star Wars IP. I've worked with Marvel um, superhero IP. I've worked, started my, cut my teeth with Return to Crondor. So you know, I'm pretty familiar with, the, with handling brands and what I think you have to do to be able to service the fans of a particular brand. So um, CBS made a deal with us and uh, we designed and did all the art direction for the game. So um, Billy Zinzer, who's over here uh, with Execute Games, um, designed all of the art that you'll see in there, although a lot of the art was also constructed by a number of good artists that we have over in India as well. Um, but the general art design comes from Billy and um, the design of the game obviously comes from it. Tell us a little bit about the game and what players can expect. Sure. Uh, Trexels is a combination of what you would tend to expect from a, a social strategy builder style game. You can build out the inside of your ship, you can select rooms, construct rooms, move them around, assign crew to work in a room so they produce resources for you. Resources are command, research, and power, so they're a little bit more abstract than the wood, stone, crystal you might see in other games. But that basic structure just provides, um, call it the scaffolding for the player then to take on adventures. Because the goal here is, if you're gonna go and do a game about Star Trek, uh, Brave New World has to be part of it, right? Exploration is really kind of the, the meat of the IP and we felt that it was important that we give players that sort of experience. So you build out your ship and then you go and explore a new area of unknown space that we're calling the Traxilian Expanse. And so this is a strange place where the barriers between dimensions are thin and the laws of nature vary wildly. And the idea here is it allows us to do a lot of creative things in terms of combining um, the different eras and characters and even art styles of uh, the different Trek uh, programs. So when you're exploring, the idea here is you're not just going to tap on a planet, send out a probe, and then find out what, what was on the planet. We're actually, we actually have away missions, episodes, and red alerts. And these allow you to actually use your crew in the emergency situations and solve the same sort of technical or combat or diplomatic puzzles that you would typically find part of a Trexels or I'm sorry, a Star Trek episode or motion picture. Nice. Very cool. Now, what hurdles did you face during the development of the game? Hurdles. So I, I think, you know, probably our primary hurdle is just uh, the fact that we're a split company in some ways is that, is that we've got, uh, you know, we've got some team here in Dallas and we've got team over in India. So there's obviously some communication hurdles that have to be handled there. Um, that just ends up taking a lot of dedication and uh, professionalism and just being very detailed and detail-oriented in your approach. So that, you know, I, you know, I hesitate to call that a true hurdle, but I, I think a lot of folks do struggle with working, uh, you know, with a split team like that. Uh, otherwise, I, you know, this, this, this project hasn't faced a ton of, of uh of hurdles. CBS has been extraordinarily cooperative and helpful and is helping us market the, the game as well. Um, we did initially have um, you know some design hiccups and uh, redesign, which I think is part of any, any real complex product that isn't a sequel that you're going to be building. Um, we initially started out with a, an even simpler form of, of challenges, which are how we handle the away missions, the red alerts, etc. Um, they didn't feel engaging enough. 
right? Uh, we, we realized that ourselves, but we also exposed it to a limited number of, of playtesters as well. And then, uh, you know, farmed a little bit more effort into creating a bit more variety and a bit more player engagement. Uh, during the challenge sequences, so uh, I, I will say that there's a there's a little bit of challenge in the idea that the the game is a 2D half cutaway represented representation of the of the um, typical Star Trek ship like the Enterprise. So it, uh, there's some challenges in terms of oh making sure that you can get enough rooms in there and which which areas of the ship should be buildable and having crew move from one end of the ship to another. Um, it's a little bit more challenging than, for instance, just a, a typical social strategy flat land with some buildings on it. Right? But uh, but I, but I think it also forces some more creative solutions uh, and uh, gives the game you know, a more unique look. So uh, the, I'd say that any any problems that cause are more than balanced out by the advantages it gives us. Now George Takei actually voices the game. Did you have the opportunity of sitting in on that voiceover at all? Actually, the the voiceover session was handled uh, by uh, uh, the folks out at CBS. Um, so I didn't actually get to sit in the voice se- uh, session itself, which was unfortunate because um, I like I said big original series fan but uh, I did get to you know write dialogue script and uh, and that was you know that's a thrill in and of itself amazing awesome awesome very cool now what is the future for Trexels you know any expansions I personally am a huge Android fan or user rather um, can we see something like a port coming over to Android soon? Yep, yep, uh, yes to both of those questions. So I guess in terms of Android, definitely looking into it. Uh, CBS and I are, and I, CBS and, and our company are negotiating the uh, the deal right now. So uh, so we'll be looking at Android, uh, you know, ideally early next year. And then beyond that, you know, I, I'm, I'm unsure about the timing of that, right? But uh, we'll be working on it early next year is probably the best way for me to put it. And then. Uh, in terms of expansions for the game, the way to think about Trexels is this is the first six pages of a comic book, so to speak. Speak. So there's six sectors in the game that's released right now, and we expect to at least double that um, in the upcoming year. Um, in addition to that, we've got um, other features that are going to be coming online, um, including a VIP system so that we can get some of those characters that aren't actually officers um, in the um, from the Star Trek programs into the game. So right now we have the original series crew and we have the next generation crew and uniforms and the Rathacon uniforms that you can add to your game, right? And we're looking to expand that both in terms of adding the crews from later programs, so Deep Space Nine, Voyager and the like, but also the idea of adding in cool characters that, like I said, aren't officers. So you could see Harry Mudd show up um, see Counselor Troy's mother, Luxwana, I guess is her mm-hmm. name, yeah. show up. So these sort of characters, I think, are almost as important as the, the crew themselves, and they become you know beloved, repeatable characters. So we want to make sure that we can we can bring in as many of them as we can. So the idea of the VIP system will be allowing people to do little adventures to essentially pick up these VIPs and add them, collect them for as members of their not really crew, but, but basically collect them and add them to a space station. Now, you mentioned adding some characters. Uh, you know, I, I can think of perhaps a character like Q. Is there an opportunity there to ask an actor like John Delancey to voice additional expansions for the game? You know, that's, uh, that's something that we'd have to handle through CBS. Um, I, don't, I don't negotiate directly with the actors or their managers, but that's, that's certainly one of the things that makes this IP so exciting. 
right, for us to work at, work on. We've got a pretty good model for this initial release, and you're right. We can, you know, if we can get additional talent, then bringing them in would be would be excellent, right? It certainly certainly adds a lot to the game having you know authentic voice at the beginning, and also we also have uh, the the actual music from the original series that we use for challenges and in the backgrounds um, during important. Uh, exposition sequences and so forth too and and just the music itself adds so much now unfortunately our my other host tony uh is unable to join us he is too busy actually playing the game uh, but he tells me amazing things so i'm really excited to hear that uh it's coming to android hopefully early next year so i can really get my hands on it uh, and it's really exciting these these types of developments and the future that you see for the game uh, at, at this point, it's an open mic for you, you know, uh, what would you like to say to the community uh, about this game, uh, about who you are and what to look forward to? Well, I guess first I'd like to say thanks, Elijah, for this chance to, to talk to everybody. And uh, I guess what I'd like to say to the fans is you know, download the game, uh, take a chance on it. Uh, I think that you'll find that, that the focus on fan service for Trek fans is is very high. Right, and that the the dialogue of the characters, the background music, the pixelated art, all of it melds together to, to put together a really nostalgic um, and compelling Trek product. Uh, and the thing has legs. This is not our first release. Uh, we're going to be constantly adding to the game. We're, right now, we're doing adjustments to balance. Right, we've got a lot of good feedback. We had a huge rush of initial users and uh, a ton of great feedback. And uh, you know, we're actually making adjustments right now and. We're expecting by uh, even early next week to have our first set of uh, adjustments into the game to kind of soften some of the balance in a few areas and uh, focus more on those areas that people seem to enjoy. Wonderful. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Craig, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show and getting the opportunity to chat with you about Trexels. Thank you so very much. Absolutely. Thank you, Elijah. You guys have a happy holiday. You too, and congratulations on the successful release. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Captains, discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Well, Send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Let's move on and check out what happened in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, let's look back at 2013, everybody. So, what did we have this year, guys? We had bad sound effects. We celebrated the three-year anniversary this year with Denise Crosby and the release of the Ambassador-class Starship. I finally got my Ambassador-class! Yes, you did. You were a good boy and you got your Christmas present in February. What else happened this year? Oh, yeah, Legacy of Romulus, the first true expansion to Star Trek Online. Play as a Romulan from level one, help establish new Romulus, and... Or Denise Crosby. Then, in November, we saw the release of Sphere of Influence featuring Michael Dorn, reprising his role as Worf and leading us through a Dyson Sphere. With an amazing adventure zone both in space and on the ground, it was the first time in a long time that players were excited to get their boots on the virtual ground and shoot some dinosaurs with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. And as a matter of fact, because of the success of Season 8, it looks like there's another expansion coming down the pipe. According to the Post, Legacy was fantastically successful for us, breaking many records for the game, including new highs for the number of players playing. In fact, 2013 was the best year ever for Stowe. Your enthusiastic support has put another expansion on the schedule for late in 2014. Planning is in the early stages, so there's not much to share just yet, but we're really hoping to provide something big for you all. And it seems 2014 will also be 
Voyager-themed with an ongoing story in the Delta Quadrant. So, gentlemen, what is your favorite feature added to the game in 2013? Romulans. They really did set the bar. I I do give a big uh, thumbs up to Al, because when we talked to him about the expansion before it was an expansion, I think, when we just knew it was going to be a Romulan thing, I did ask him for my... Uh, cloak little ship that would just uh, is a tiny little thing that would just decloak and just explode with a humongous plasma torpedo that would eat your face. And he got and, it, uh, and that's what he got. I got, so I got, I got that. So I was, I was. If I had to pick, you know, Legacy of Romulus was the biggest thing, but my favorite part of that thing was the the original series uh, balance of power, decloaking little Romulan warbird, plasma ball in your face uh, ship. That was the best part. Well, of course, the Dyson Sphere is awesome, too, you know, but as an overall, I would say Romulans in general, but the Dyson Sphere is pretty awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the Dyson Sphere was good, but it, the Romulan thing really, like, yeah, expanded the level of the game. The whole, you know, like, yeah, Not only was it an expansion, but it, it's like, no, Star Trek Online uh, is going to go places now. Yeah. You know, they, they, took, they took a step back and looked at the sort of rushed cobbled together game that it was when they were under such intense deadlines and pressures to release in 2010 and they sat back and said where would we have rather started and then they built a uh, expansion based on that idea you know what my favorite thing was uh, certainly the voiceover work not only did we have Denise Crosby reprising her role as both Tasha Yar and Sila in Legacy of Romulus and of course for the 30 year anniversary event but then we also had Michael Dorn and that's pretty big. Couple that with... So we've got two Star Trek notables coming on to do voiceover work. And then they release the Mac beta. I mean, there's clearly money available to Cryptic Studios to be able to spend in the development of these types of features and additions to the game. And that's fantastic. Particularly the Mac client, right? Because how often is an MMO ever ported over for Mac? And in this case, here is Star Trek Online three years in... And we're getting a Mac port. That's amazing and fantastic and shows no sign of stopping, which is amazing. I'm really looking forward to what comes in 2014. Here's our first community question for the week. Captains, what is your favorite feature added to Star Trek Online in 2013? Share your thoughts with us in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or the post for this episode on the official Star Trek Online forums. We've got a few new limited time bonus rewards coming to us before the end of the year in the Romulan Survivor Duty Officer Pack. Now, this is a very lengthy list of rewards and, although we would love to spend all of your time talking about each and every one of these awesome new rewards added to the Romulan Survivor Pack, let's just pull out what piqued our interest the most, shall we? And of course, links to the full package listing will be in our show notes. And of course, links to the full description of what you can find in the Duty Officer Pack will be on our show notes. So, gentlemen, tell me, what was the most handsome reward in this duty officer pack for you? Well, I think there's a couple of things going on in these duty officer packs. Obviously, the big one's going to be the ship. It's available to all factions. Uh, level 40 is required. It's got the uh, you know cruiser communication arrays. And we're talking about the uh, Voth uh, Bulwark Dreadnought Cruiser, okay? Which is it's huge. It's ginormous. How can you get this ship? Okay, according to the blog, from now until uh, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Monday, January 6th, 
that's up next year, 2014, every Romulan uh, Survivor Duty Officer pack you open will also include either 10 Lobby Crystals or the brand new Voth Bulwark Dreadnought Cruiser. This is a super, super durable cruiser is what they're saying. It's massive amounts of, of damage as well as is suited for um, combat in all situations. The bridge officer seating arrangement adds to its combat versatility. It also comes equipped with a single hangar bay full of the new Voth Heavy Fighters, which is a whole other thing that's going on. These uh, Voth Heavy Fighters are armed with anti-proton arrays, transphasic fronton torpedoes, emergency power to shields, and emergency power to weapons. Those are both uh, one, no higher. Um, it's available to all factions, you need to be level 40. The cruiser communication abilities are there for weapon system efficiency, attract fire, and so on and so forth. So, big shit, lots of stuff. Um, you know, it's got a console, it's got a few other things, but anyway, you can look up the full stats. Tony, why don't you tell us about one of those new consoles? Well, James, the Ward Repair Ship Console comes uh, with this cruiser. It can be used to deploy a Ward Repair Ship that can perform emergency repairs to your vessel after you bite the big one. Uh, it'll repair your hull all the way up to uh, full and provide a substantial boost of power to all your subsystems uh, when you're defeated. The console's ability may only be used when you're at 0% health. Uh, and while you can put it in any console slot, it can only be equipped on the Voth Palisade science ship or Bastion flight deck cruiser or the Bulwark Dreadnought cruiser. Uh, just to make sure that you guys understand this, the console is going to call in a very tiny little Voth Ward repair ship like you see in the uh, Space Adventure Zones. It will be untargetable and indestructible, and it will instantly heal your hull and shields to full. Uh, it will also give you a boost to shield hardness and power levels for 10 seconds. It's got a 5-minute cooldown, though, so try not to blow up too much. And, James, that uh, ship comes with a very nice torpedo launcher, doesn't it? It does. The wide-angle Voth Transphasic Chroniton Launcher that gives you an accuracy and arc bonus. The arc bonus being, of course, you get 180 degrees instead of the standard 90 degrees. So, this Transphasic Chroniton Torpedoes gain the benefits of both Transphasic Torpedoes, 40% shield penetration, and Chroniton Torpedoes, a chance to slow the target's movement and churn rate. This unique torpedo can be used on any ship. So, some people, I'm sure, will be going after uh, this ship just to get that torpedo, so... Well, there is also a new set bonus that's going to be available to captains, the Voth Cloak Technology, that will provide a two-set bonus that uh, allows... Plus 10 to all damage resistance, uh, plus a Voth Cloak, which grants a large amount of stealth, damage resistance, defense, um, a moderate damage bonus, but can only be used while out of combat. The three-piece set bonus, that'll give you the Voth Battle Cloak, and that grants, a large, uh, again, a large amount of stealth, damage resistance, defense. When exiting stealth, it grants a moderate damage bonus, and of course can be used while in combat. And... And, of course, this 3-piece set bonus is available to the two previous consoles available already from the Voth, as well as this new one, the Ward Repair Ship Console. So, now, the, here's here's the thing, is that this new Battlecruiser isn't the only ship available to captains before the end of the new year. James, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Voth Heavy Fighter? Yes, we do have a new small craft, boys and girls. The Voth Heavy Fighter is a big old heavy tank of a ship, even though it's 
small. Uh, the equipment that comes with this Floth Heavy Fighter can only be used on other small craft, so don't get any grand ideas. But uh, its availability is from the Lobby Crystal Store. It's 300 Lobby Crystals. It has integrated hazard emitters, which is actually really cool. This ability functions as normal hazard emitters do. However, unlike standard hazard emitters, it will only target the caster and it has a much longer cooldown time than your standard one. So to compensate, this ability is slightly stronger than hazard emitter three. It also gives you a 360 degree Voth anti-proton beam array that increases in effectiveness as you level. The Voth transphasic chronoton torpedo launcher that increases in effectiveness as you level. A non-combat Voth heavy fighter pet that can be launched from your starship, as well as being added to the Lobus for an extra 20 crystals. So here is the thing. We just spit out a lot of Trek no babble, Star Trek online, new features, blah, blah, blah. What is most attractive about this new promo? Oh, I really want that launcher. What is it about the launcher? The arc, man. I drive a tank. I, I've, I've been flying the Odyssey since they released it, and, you know, I don't turning. Turning is for suckers. You get a wide-angle torpedo launcher on the front, and you load up one on the back. You just, you just like, go to one-quarter impulse power and just uh, straight on till morning, right? Second start of the right, start on till morning. And then you load up with turrets, and then you just sort of, like, just drive around. most stuff down. Let's compare this to the wide-angle quantum torpedo with an accuracy, critical hit, and uh, the arc modifiers, right? So it's got 180 arc, the quantum torpedo. Uh, it will do up to 362.7 DPS. These, no these notes are according to Stowicki. Uh, it's got 2% uh, critical chance and 10% accuracy. Now compare that to the transphasic, what do you think? Oh, it's just the arc. I mean, the the accuracy bonus will be the same, but you miss out on the critical hit chance, and I'm sure the, the damage on this will be lower, but you get the shield penetration with the transphasics, and here's the thing, is that I play a lot of those, uh, the breach, when I run the breach, very rarely do I do I get the shields down on those, uh, those gigantic citadel, super humongous things, so you're basically just destroying the thing with uh, bleed-through damage from your weapons. So those transphasics will, will hit just right, uh, when you're going up against those boss citadels, so I, it looks like a fun gun. I might tr I might buy some duty officer packs now that they've raised the roster cap from 400 to 500. You can go buy extra duty officer slots and get your roster up to 500. That also is new uh, as of today's patch. So um, yeah, I might buy a couple just trying to get that launcher. I don't really want the ship. <laughs> I want the launcher. I kind of, I kind of agree. There's not really. I mean, to me, I'm not really like, I'm not taken with the Voth ships. They're just, they're just not my style. There's nothing against them. I'm sure they're cool, but they're just for me. It's, it's not holding much. Um, but to, you know, to help you with that shield problem, you got. Um, I don't know if you've been over the Spire yet, but they got those wicked cool consoles that um, punch up your anti-proton power from the plus 30 purple ones to plus 31. Plus, you get crit. My crit is up to 91.9 on my Defiant, and my anti-protons like through the roof. So before we move on, there's still yet another promo between now and December 26th, the day after Christmas. You can save 15% on the purchase of Master Keys. So Tony, we've got some patch notes. What's going on? We do. Uh, the patch that uh, dropped today made some changes. The Dyson Joint Command Reputation finally gets its Tier 5 mission, Unsaid Thanks. Uh, when you complete it, you get 750 Dyson Marks and five cybernetic implants, 32,000 dilithium ore, 40,000 energy credits, and a large amount of expertise. 
and a special reward. Players who have already reached tier 5 will automatically get that mission when you log in. If you don't see it and you've already reached tier 5, then fool around the reputation system, do something, and you should get that mission uh, uh, triggered off. Even if something as simple as uh, slotting a project and then canceling it ought to do it. Uh, there's now a special events filter in the PvE queue, so you can filter out special events like the Winter Invasion. The Obelisk Carrier can now be purchased after unlocking a Tier 1 uh, Fleet Spire. Fire at Will, oh, Fire at Will, our old friend. They are fooling around with it again. They've resolved an issue that was incorrectly disabling power drain on all non-phaser types of energy weapons. So uh, everybody who was not shooting phasers, you weren't getting a power drain like you should have been. Uh, it's also resolved an issue that was causing Fire at Will to drain power for only a single pulse instead of over the entire five-shot firing cycle. So this was going to... Some ships looked like it wasn't really losing anything at all, but it was just regenerating really quickly. But it's going to work the right way now, and I'm sure there will be people upset, as there are every single time Cryptic messes with fire at will. Solene, Dyson Sphere Adventure Zone. You'll now get a commendation every 20 hours from any of the following content. The Breach, Storming the Spire, Completing a Qualified Dyson Sphere Battle Zone Mission, Completing any one area mission in the Dyson Sphere Adventure Zone, and uh, it means that you no longer have to complete the lengthy daily mission to earn accommodation by participating in the Adventure Zone. The wrapper missions are gone because you don't need them anymore to earn your commendation by just participating in the Adventure Zone. And when you get one, you'll see a message that says, you have earned a Dyson commendation. You can get another one in 20 hours, so you'll know exactly what's going on. Lots of UI updates and changes in the battle zones and new effects for battle zone power-ups and command coins have been added. Go crazy with your Super Mario selves uh, when you take down those boff teams. Known issues. The teamwork trait is preventing teams from extra exploit damage. Doesn't sound like very good teamwork to me, but there it is. Captains and all their information may not be visible in the new Gateway uh, update until logging into that character one time in-game. So if you try logging into Gateway to do stuff, you don't see your guy, log into the game, activate that captain, check back on Gateway, it should be there. Now, before we close out the last review of Star Trek Online News for 2013, let's keep our minds sharp and stay educated with an editorial from MMORPG.com. In his November 8th edition of his Devil's Advocate column, Victor Badriero Jr. addresses the resistance to change from MMO communities when games are updated and mechanics are added or altered. In his article, Badriero references expansions like Star Wars Galaxy's New Game Experience, which is probably one of the most notorious game expansions in the history of MMOs. One that arguably killed the gaming community for that game and, well, the game as a whole itself. Heck, I didn't even play it, but I know about it. And then, again, I'm personally not a fan of Sony as they killed my beloved MMO, The Matrix Online. So I'm just not a fan of Sony Entertainment. Similarly, Badriero describes a similar resistance to expansions like in revamps to World of Warcraft's skill tree, and although I don't play Lord of the Rings Online, Badriero describes a significant amount of forum drama having taken place weeks before its Helm's Deep expansion release. But, you tell me, what's worse? Changes to an MMO clouded in NDAs and developer silences, or the Wild West no-filter community response from players that just hate change. Badriero writes this, When negativity is perceived, passersby are less than enthused about being a part of that community. So I wonder, how many potential free-to-play players were lost because after coming across some Star Trek Online forum rage, they judged a book by its cover and skipped over Star Trek Online? 
And what about zone chat in our space dock? Sometimes that can be a little iffy and questionable. Here is one thing that is certain. That despite having been acquired by Perfect World Entertainment, Cryptic still remains pretty open with its community about the ongoing development of Star Trek Online. Not just in forum posts by the likes of Taco Fangs or Brand Flakes, but even with podcasts like ours. How many other MMO podcasts can actually say they've had devs on their show multiple times, and not just Priority One Podcast? And unlike Blizzard or Turbine, Cryptic does a really good job at keeping an open dialogue with their players, even when some players might think otherwise. Heck, even in his article, Padriero points out the deafening silence from the development team behind Lord of the Rings Online's Helm's Deep expansion, despite player concerns and player forum drama. But I digress. The topic is about change and the varying degrees of reaction from a community or a developer. So here's the next community question for this week. Has there been a change in Star Trek Online that ever threatened your desire to continue to play? Or were you that newbie that nearly stopped playing because of negative feedback from the community towards the game? Let us know in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or in the episode's post on the official Star Trek online forum. I'm guessing you have an opinion, Elijah. I want your opinions first. Tony, has there ever been an update to the game that you were like, I kind of don't want to play this anymore? No, not really. I mean, I like I said, I, I play this game really for the space combat. I truly enjoyed that mechanic. It's Starfleet Command 4. It's, it's the game I've been waiting for for a long time. Um, as long as they keep that core mechanic going, I don't care when they change fire at will. Um, I'll just use my turrets instead of my phaser beams. It just doesn't matter uh, to me that much. And the team has a lot of respect for the IP and I think a lot of respect for the community player base. I mean, even Alice said there's plenty of things I'd like to do with the game. I just don't want to deal with the reaction I would get. Uh, and so I think, I mean, he, he knows there's boundaries, and he's willing to live with those. How, what about you, James? Has there been anything that came down the pipe for Star Trek Online that, that just kind of didn't rub you the right way, or you wish they would have done differently, that you were like, mm, I may not continue playing? Well, they never did add a special bridge for the Vesta yet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that, oh, that's, no. That's kind of a world ender for me. No, um, no, I've never seen anything come down the pipe that's made me want to quit the game. Um, there were a few times where there were some scares I remember about things in the past that more or less they either changed or we didn't understand correctly at the time that we talked about on the show at times where I remember they I can remember back to saying oh if they do that oh, I might quit the game or something but um, you know nothing ever that actually happened that actually the final product never ever made me go oh well now it's so dumb I don't want to play not not once ever I think overall they put out a great product and it's a lot of fun to play. You know, does it always please me every little thing they do or every little nerf they make? No. Um, but I've never seen anything so terrible yet that it's been game-ending to me. Well, and I think that a lot of it has to do with the way that you play, too. If you're just married to a particular play style and you find this super uber build that you just love so much and, you know, you, you, you pwn with it every week... And then they change, oh, you know, that really isn't working as intended, so you've got to change it. Well, if you invested a lot of time and energy into tweaking that out, you might be invested. But, I mean, for I think for the bulk of the audience, and certainly for me, I just, I do my thing. I go on there, I collect my tokens, I hang out with my buddies, and then, uh, then I log off. And it's just something I do for fun. So, your turn, Elijah. You mentioned builds, Tony, and it's funny that you mentioned builds, because that is one thing that... I'm starting to not enjoy very much, right? 
I'm finding that all the new modifiers on all these special consoles are really, really starting to get a little heavy for at least my type of playstyle. And to boot, all the varying stores that I have to go through to get them, right? So you've got your your spot, your your fleet spire, your regular fleet, your uh, Romulan. It's just they're all over the place, and you have to even even still wiki is still not a centralized location where I can very easily flip through all these different items. So it's making my ability to mid-max the little that I do very, very difficult. And it's starting to feel a little bloated. Oh, yeah, it's almost like you've got too many choices. Mm, no, you see, I don't even know that it's it's that. I don't even know that it's just a matter of customization or or the ability to choose how you want to make your build. It's it, There's a lot. There's just so much, right? And I already have some spreadsheets, right, that, you know, I would try to try to lay out my bot, my duty officers and what consoles I was going to use in my ship. But here are these new consoles being added on a frequent basis. And then whenever there's a new um, a fleet holding, there's more consoles. It's just not, it's not solely that there are so many consoles, but it's also so many different places that I have to look at to get them. And it's starting to feel a bit like a chore to spec out my character to be uber elite. And I don't want I don't want just everybody to be able to go read something for five minutes or go to one spot and be able to achieve what I've had to achieve over a long time and fighting and trying and and buying consoles and okay this one works and this one sucks. With the introduction of so many consoles and so many new modifiers, it's not just the consoles, but it's the new modifiers as well. I know. I'm I feel like it's a slippery slope to a bit of bloating. Okay, a, a bloating to to your mid maxing to your building of your character. It's just more customization. It's just giving you more options. That's all it is. I, I don't I don't look at it as bloating or anything. I just look at it as it's new options, new ways to make things, do things, build things. And I'm not opposed to new options. I'm not opposed to that. I'm, what I'm saying, though, is that it's not just the consoles. It's a combination of the consoles and then what you have to do to get them and how many different places there are. This almost goes back and harkens back to all the varying currencies that there were. I almost want to go that far. There's no easy way for me to compare a console. What have we talked about a hundred times in this game? What is an MMO? Cheeks and seats, baby! Time in game! The more time you spend figuring this out and going to the vendors and talking to your friends and searching on the websites... And- I, you see, I, for some, yeah, for some, but for others it's going to be like... Damn, this thing is complicated. I don't want to spend this much time just researching. Then they don't have to. And that's why they will always be those players that won't be as good as the rest of us. The point is, if he doesn't want to do the work to be a top dog and have an elite setup, then he doesn't have to be. Fine, don't do it. And now let's move on to this week's Foundry Review with Chivalry Bean. Chivalry being here with another Foundry Officer Report. This time I'm looking at A Time to Search by Lincoln in Space. A Time to Search is an amusing mission with great custom maps and some excellent tricks done with Foundry tech. The mission plays off the duty officer system and sets you on a mission to rescue some of your DOFs after one of their missions goes awry. The first map to load sets the stage for amusement with some visual jokes. Be ready to giggle. The map building is great. Each location felt like somewhere new that I had never been before. Also, they had their own look and feel, and the NPCs and objects as the locations felt like they belonged. One portion is an outdoor escape on rooftops. I chose one of two paths. Mine was a jumping puzzle. Nothing too difficult. 
But as I haven't had a chance to play it again, I'm not sure if the other way is a different puzzle or the easy way. The maps are complex and use lots of trigger to go above the basics and make them exciting to play. The mission is on the longer side, but it doesn't feel drawn out. It goes at a good pace. There are a few issues that could be addressed. The first impression is important to have someone play your mission. And the title is in all lowercase. And remember not to put the USS before the ship name tag, because it ended up being the USS USS. Another issue is assuming my character's race. I chose a less emotional option once, and the NPC assumed I was a Vulcan. I suggest never making assumptions about the player. While playing, the way the maps are designed may cause your bridge officers to get stuck, but it never became an issue as far as combat was concerned. A time to search measures low on the serious factor, but high on the fun factor. It's amusing to play and does a fine job of surprising you with neat foundry tricks. And now, let's hear your feedback. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. We had a banner week for feedback this week uh, from our interview with Cryptic Kestrel over there, and uh, we are not going to get to all of it, unfortunately, but I do want to start off with some of the, probably some of the best stuff first. We hear from Hippie John, who says, good show, you guys. Great interview. Wish I could still listen to you all live on Thursdays, but I've got issues with Trek Radio's website, and I'm very interested in the Star Citizen show you're all up to. Well, thanks. I, I'm, I'm interested in it, too. I'm the host of it, so... Yeah, it's a really good... Oh, we also hear from Ranger XML. Someone say, Star Citizen, my constellation is awaiting service. Well, guys, we'll see you over there in the game. Be sure to tune in to Guard Frequency. That's uh, over on GuardFrequency.com. You can catch us on iTunes. We're working on getting that uh, iTunes uh, fixed up. You can catch us on Feeds.GuardFrequency.com. Um, go check us out on the robertspaceindustry.com website. Uh, say hi on our forum post over there. Can't wait to see all you guys over there in the verse. Hey, uh, Hippie John, if you're having issues uh, listening to the show live, make sure you reach out to the uh, guys and gals over at Trek Radio's website. They have a very handy-dandy contact form. Uh, it is trekradio.net forward slash hashtag forward slash contact. It's, um, it's actually a... Link also right on the homepage. You can't miss it over on the right-hand side. So uh, we hate to hear that you can't listen to us live. So please reach out to them. Find out what's going on. WJ Shoot 123 says, The only real MMO I play is Star Trek Online. It was the first ever MMO I downloaded, and I was hooked. Plus, I am a Trek fan. And also, Stowe keeps on... And also, Stowe keeps on growing and changing with new content. Uh, agreed. And, and I'm the same way. Still was my first MMO. I'm totally hooked, and I've never played any other MMO since. Uh, Still is more than enough for me. One thing I've learned about MMOs from this game is they are time-consuming. I don't think I could ever play more than one of these at once. To all you gamers out there who are managing two or three MMOs at once, God bless your busy little hearts. Redisol writes, Stowe is my first and currently only MMO. I've tried others briefly, but nothing has lasted more than a couple of hours. I'm primarily attracted to it because it is Star Trek, and I think that this format is the best for a Trek game. I don't know about the server search, but I would like to have a reliance on other captains. This is basically the game I wanted as a kid. I enjoy the podcasts. Redisol, thank you so very much for reaching out to us and, and letting us know that this is your first and, and that you've tried others. I, too, am with you. I would love 
to have a bit more of a interdependence with other captains in the game. The ability to rely on them for a a quote-unquote dungeon quest or dungeon raid where I, I desperately need a science and, a, and an engineer and a tactical to get it done. So uh, hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that down the pipe in 2014. I'd like to see a button that you could push at any time that puts like a flasher out to everyone in your fleet. So you know how like the red alert thing pops up in the corner of your screen? You know, when you have a red alert in your territory? I'd like to have a button on my ship that I could do that, you know, where I hit like an ability and all of a sudden that sends that, that flasher out to every member of my fleet. And it's flashing that, you know, hey, I need I need backup, I need assistance or whatever. And they could hit that and, and you know, warp right to where I'm at and jump in. I think that would be really, really cool. Oh, like a drop-in co-op. Exactly, like a drop-in co-op. Exactly. So that, like, when they're out there doing their little mission and they need some help, instead of, like, having to quit, come out, get on the fleet forums and say, hey, can somebody come help me with this? How awesome would it be for them to just hit a button saying, boom, I need backup, and all of a sudden everyone in the fleet gets a red flashing thing and everyone can just click on it and jump to them and just whoop down. Like a distress signal. Yeah, exactly. Yes, wow. All right. Wow, well played. Chalpin says, been playing MMOs since they came into existence. Played the original AOL Neverwinter, EQ, Ultima, etc. The only one I stayed with was Star Trek Online. My motivator? I've been playing Star Trek Online since beta. I put a lot of money into it, and I'm too old and busy to invest in another one. Here, here. Star Trek One Wars says, hi, guys great episode i just wanted to say that stow is my first and only mmo wow this is a reoccurring theme here huh guys i love you all because i'm right there with you love you guys i play it mainly for the star trek elements <sighs> although the gameplay is fun too i do like the idea of working with other people when crafting items hmm. uh can't wait for the next episode thanks and uh much love man i'm loving to hear all these first time only mmo players just like me it makes me feel so uh warm and fuzzy. Ari Scholl writes, wow, really nice show. Keep them coming, guys. Happy face. The next one comes from Hasukurobi. What motivates me to play Stowe is that I'm a big fan of Star Trek and a lover of complex games that offer a lot of combinations to try out and determine what works best. The Kestrel interview generated a lot of feedback. We can't get to it all, unfortunately, but uh, Cryptic Armsman says, best line can we make a Voltron out of triples? Yeah, that was yeah, that was the highlight of the interview for me, too. I like that one. They're, they're thinking outside the box. We're bringing in the Voltrons. We're bringing in the triples. Nothing, nothing's off limits. Dinosaurs with lasers. Go crazy. Eldarion79 writes, One of the best things that Kestrel brings is the enormous amount of stuff from the books and other sources that have entered the game. However, the talk about the end of the war makes no sense, especially when it is coming from the lead writer, because... She must have forgotten what she wrote in the first part of the game. Ah, now hold on just a minute. I didn't remember her saying anything about the end of the war. Right, she didn't. She didn't. No, I I, I remember maybe a a subtle hint or two that perhaps the uh, alignment of factions in the war may alter somewhat to a certain degree-ish. Right, so... So you don't think there would be a ceasefire? Well, just which direction will the fire be traveling? The enemy of my enemy. That's right, yeah. So I, the, the war isn't ending because then we wouldn't have anything to pew-pew, and Elijah wouldn't have any consoles to try to chase and, and, and use to shoot so the other stuff. Unless there's a whole new independent faction coming. Ooh, with an expansion. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. We could have a whole show speculating about this, but, but I think... I. 
Kestrel has done a pretty fine job uh, guiding the post-Nemesis uh, Star Trek universe, as far as I'm concerned, and the post-JJ debacle of blowing up Romulus. I'm going to give her plenty of rope uh, to do what she wants to do, to, to fool around in the, in the alteration of faction orientation stuff that she's going to do over the next season. I, 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 she's got some credit for as, far, as far as I'm concerned. Xiaoping88 says, It may be entirely subjective opinion, but am I alone with the impression that with more Kestrel and less Gecko, we would have more Trek in our Star Trek online? Xiaoping88 is exactly correct, and that's exactly how it's supposed to be. Kestrel says, let's do all the Star Trek stuff, and then Gecko has to cram that into the idea of a game that people can play and click a mouse button and stuff blows up. I mean, that's... It's not easy to do, but but that's that's exactly how it's supposed to be. I think having both of them makes the the good balance that we have. Our next piece of feedback comes from Highland Var. Wouldn't it be amazing if Kestrel had some very special help from veterans of Trek production? Imagine how awesome it would be if she could team up with the likes of Ronald D. Moore, Brandon Braga, Ira Stephen Bear and some of the other writing legends that helped produce some of the best hours of The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. Yeah, I mean, sure, that would be fantastic if they would do a guest episode or something, a a guest-featured episode for Star Trek Online. I'm sure that would be amazing for for both parties, players and and developers, just as they get excited for a voice talent to come on and reprise their role. A very special thanks to Chris Keen, who pointed out that we could do a better job of getting feedback from all of our channels on the week where we had feedback overload. But in reply to Mr. Keen, I want to thank everyone else who's written in for last week's show. That list would include... Uh, FDP Dracon, Orange Itis, Eli Jamray, that guy never misses a chance to stir the pot. Ukami87, Fangsboy, Tutakomer, he's a cryptic artist, Vera Kanos, Sunfranks, Walshikus, Dova25, Chivalry Bean, Raven, Bunasa, Don2006, Lincoln in Space, Santa Skyrat, Azurian Star, Sean Newboy, MJ Bird, Rogue Jawa, Woody Valley, Macronius, Jexamix, Legget Dumar, Omega Phallic, don't drunk I'm shoot and future past now and probably I missed a few other names in there too thanks to everybody who writes in we really appreciate it and it captains a very special thanks to everyone who's friended us and likes our posts both on Facebook and who follows people who follow us on Twitter every week we get new followers and it's just amazing to see our social community grow so thank you for retweeting for liking for favoriting and for sharing with all your friends the news that comes out of Priority One Podcast. As you know, Captains, we love continuously hearing from you. But now you can reach out to us with a voicemail. That's right. Give us a phone call at 609-619-0834. Or you can use our SpeakPipe widget. Now, if you call us at that telephone number, standard rates may apply. Now, if neither one of those work for you, then just shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com with a short MP3 recording. Well, that wraps up episode 154 of Priority One Podcast, recorded live on TrekRadio.net. Remember, we record Thursday nights live on Trek Radio starting at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. However, because of the holiday next week, there will not be an episode. That's right, Captains. No live recording on December 26th and no episode published on the 30th. We will return live on Trek Radio 
Thursday night, January 2nd, with episode 155. As you know, we love hearing from you, our loyal listeners. If you have a suggestion, idea, or topic for any of our segments, or if you have general feedback about this episode, our email address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can send us a voicemail through SpeakPipe, a telephone call, or record your own short message on an MP3 file and email it to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter and follow us there at STO Priority One. Priority One is brought to you by the generous donations of listeners like, well, you. So please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can help support the show. And again, a very special thanks to everybody who has contributed and continues to do so. And don't forget to check out Priority One's new production, Guard Frequency, at guardfrequency.com. Follow us at Guard Freak. Follow us at Guard Freak, G-U-A-R-D-F-R-E-Q. A very special thanks to Trexel's lead designer, Craig Bolin, for chatting with us about the new iOS app, soon coming to Android. And to Chivalry Bean for this week's Foundry Review. Thanks to the entire team behind PriorityOnePodcast.com, including our audio engineer, Skiffy. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. To our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. A very special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. Most importantly, a very big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, and our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.